3: So this is an important day for our ancient dragons and gate Samba. Um, Some of you remember our old temple on Irving Park Road.
2: We had to give that up for COVID.
3: Not for them, but anyway. uh, We um, have not had, so today's the third day of uh, three-day Sashim. We've not had a multi-day uh, session uh, gathering uh, of mind Heart in Zazen since December 2019, and here we are. We're back. <laughs> so this is also kind of the culmination of our two-month practice commitment period. Which actually doesn't end formally until next Friday, but we're doing this three-day session this weekend. We've been practicing together, working together, supporting each other, and also studying the, the Malakyoti Sutra. So uh Uh, The first two days of the session, I talked about themes from that sutra, basically how to practice in the world. So the sutra is about, uh, excuse me, Demalakirti, a great awakened layperson of Buddhist time who was totally involved and enmeshed in all kinds of activities in the world, but used those as opportunities to help awaken others, to help relieve suffering. And our practice here in Chicago, joined by folks from uh, all kinds of other places. I see California and Indiana, for example. Um, Anyway,
2: uh, our practice is to be in the world. We, We all have our
3: lives in the world. We're not a residential community. So how do we practice in the world? And how do we do the Buddha work, which I talked about yesterday?
2: So uh,
3: the Sutra talks about inconceivable liberative practices, skillful means, how to be helpful in the world, how to be effective in the world. This is a great challenge. Our world is um, in great need, of course. How do we find a balanced way to help in the world? And a lot of people in our sangha are doing all kinds of wonderful, helpful work as school teachers, as therapists, as chaplains, as attorneys. Anyway, we're here um, in the world. And one of the things that the sutra focuses on that I keep mentioning is in Sanskrit, patience or tolerance with the ungraspability of things, of events, of anything, with the unknowability or the birthlessness that sometimes translated of uh, everything in the world. And this implies that the world is alive Modern physics, quantum entanglement is verifying that everything is alive. We don't see the world as dead objects, and our Zazen supports that. We see how we are a product of, and a function of, and an expression of everything in our lives all the people we've ever known, all the people who've known us, even if we didn't know them. So To be patient with this inconceivability of reality itself, of things, of the world, dharmas, is also to uh, understand that we don't have total control over anything. I mean, there are many uh, skillful people here who have control over various things,
2: but Yeah, it's
3: we we can't control the world. Everything is changing. Everything is alive. This is the world we live in. So how do we do the Bodhisattva work? The work of helping to awaken each other and ourselves and all beings. All beings. Nobody excluded. How do we speak out against harmful and cruel policies or systems without hating or despising personally any of the people who are involved with that. So this is a big challenge. Uh, Yesterday in our discussion, I think it was Douglas who brought up the uh, Shisho Bosatsu. this uh, writing by Eihei Dogen, who was the founder of our tradition in Japan in the 13th century. Boresata Shishogo, which is one of the essays in Dōgen, one of Dōgen's master Shogo And so I want to talk about that, uh, that essay today, because it's practical counsel on how to be helpful in the world. Someone used the Tom Cleary translation. He calls it the four integrative methods of Bodhisattvas. Katsunashi translates it. I think as the four guiding methods for Bodhisattvas. But the title of this Shishobo Bodhisattva Shishobo is four, literally four Dharma's for guidance. So the word Dharma as it's used in, in at least in, in East Asia, I'm not sure about Sanskrit, but "po" uh, or bow is um, also a way of doing something. So uh, back in San Francisco Zen Center, we used to talk about so-and-so has the Dharma for this and that. So, for example, Jerry has the Dharma for how to, the likes of Sender, Wade is as the dharma for how to do the techno position, trying to include people online. Um, and uh, I hear that Mike has the dharma for making corn muffins. So, <laughs> so anyway, to um, so the translation method is a little a little funny for me. it's, it's the way of doing something how it's knowing how to do something. So even though the world is alive and we don't have total control over it, all of you have uh, areas where you know what to do. You have to download something or other. So anyway, that's what that's the title of this essay. And um, so I'm going to read from it. Um, again, this is Tom Cleary's translation. But the four, these four ways, these four ways of expressing guidance and integration and helpfulness for bodhisattvas the four, first of all, giving. Second is kind speech. Third is beneficial action. Then the fourth we talked about yesterday. theory translated as, translates it as cooperation. kauza um, hashi translates it as identity action.
2: And it says
3: cooperation means non-opposition or in Kauza's version, identity action means non-difference. So I wanna talk about that, how we practice cooperation you know, as opposed to our culture's uh value of competition and doing unto others before they do unto us and all that. How do we practice cooperation? How do we see ourselves as others and vice versa? But first I'll say a little bit about the first three.
2: And the first one is generosity of giving. Which is also
3: the first of our six or ten transcendent bodhisattva practices. So a little bit about what Dogen of what Dogan says about generosity. And and we in our meal chat we talk about the mutuality of giver, receiver, and gift. So giving is not one-sided, like um, some people have all the gifts and they give it to others. Giving is a mutual expression. There could not be giving without somebody to receive. Um, So uh, Dogen says, giving means not coveting. Not coveting is not being greedy. In worldly terms, it is said that not being greedy means not flattery. Even if one should rule four continents to provide education and civilization in the correct way, it is just a matter of not
2: being covetous.
3: It says, to offer flowers from a distant mountain to a Buddha, to give away treasures from one's past life to living beings, in terms of teaching as well as in terms of material things, in each are inherent virtue involved in giving. So I like this, giving flowers in a distant mountain to Buddha, to all beings, to everyone. So here in Chicago, we don't have any mountains. <laughs> uh, we have tall buildings. but uh, You know, we can look across the, this great lake near us and see the waves, and we can offer the waves, and we can offer uh, the birds, and we can offer the fish to Buddha. That's a kind of giving, Buddha says. That's the spirit of giving. It's not about it's not, it's not about all being greedy or holding on to you know so we've been talking about the wonderful bird song that's been around this building the last two days. We give that to each other, birds give that to
2: us, we give that to the birds
3: So, Dugcan says the effort must be genuine when one leads the way to the way, one attains the way, when attaining the way, the way is necessarily being left to the way. When goods are left to goods, the goods unfailingly become giving. Self gives to self, other gives to other. So, um, this deeper expression of generosity is very deep, actually. It's not just giving, it's giving gifts, but it's also um, giving of oneself. Um, looking through this book, I found an old line that I saved. It's uh, from Dokkan's so writing on the Lotus Sutra, and I had it. So but it's also about giving. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Dogan says, give, in, give up holding back your life to hold on fully to your life. So, not
2: holding back is a kind of giving. He says, Dogen also says, what is uh, from,
3: hold on, let me find it. Um, When we begin to transform the mind of living beings, to transform it even as far as attaining awakening, in the beginning it must be done by giving, for generosity. For this reason, the beginning of the transcendent practices is the transcendent way of giving. One should not calculate the greatness or smallness of the mind, nor the greatness or smallness of the thing. No the greatness or smallness of gifts just to give, just to give has an impact. He also says, Nevertheless, there is a time when the mind transforms things, and there is giving in which things transform the mind. So, how do we see this mutuality of giver, receiver, and, and gift? So maybe we can come back to that in the discussion. It's practice of giving. The next one is the four is kind speech.
2: He says that means that in looking
3: upon living beings, one should first arouse the mind of kindness and love and should utter caring, kind words.
2: There's the absence of harsh speech.
3: Conquering of enemies and harmonizing of rulers is based on kind speech. Logan says, to hear kind speech to one's face gladdens the face and countenance and pleases the heart. Hearing kind speech indirectly makes a deep deep impression on the mind. Kind speech comes from a kind heart, and a kind heart has
2: goodwill, as it sees. So, you know, kind kind speech um, just to, as he
3: says, just to hear someone say something kind about you, you you feel good. Or if we hear hear that somebody else has said some good things about you to someone else, that also, you know, you feel good. They've done studies, though, having to do with prayer. And, you know, we have a well-being list. It's very, very long now, and so we chant it once a month. Um, But um, people who need support. And there have been studies of uh, the kind speech of prayer on, on behalf of people who are suffering that show that even when People don't know that people
2: are uh, dedicating kindness to them. It's helpful
3: to the person being spoken of. I don't understand how the experiment was done, but yes, it's been demonstrated that this happens. So to say something kind about someone, uh, has an impact, whether or not they know it's being said. This maybe has to do with, I was talking, speaking earlier in the session about quantum entanglement and how modern science is showing that things happen together at great distances, even, at the same time, not because one causes another. Anyway, um, so that's an example of quantum entanglement. Kind speech about someone benefits them, even if they don't know what's being
2: said. so
3: um you know we uh, and i and i was I've talked about this uh, earlier in the session that even when we are confronted as we are in our world today with very harmful systems or policies
2: demonizing certain groups of people,
3: for example. Uh, we can oppose those policies without personally hating or despising the people who are so misguided as to promote harm and cruelty. So we can oppose cruelty without saying unkind things about the people who are actually caught, you know, creating the cruelty. This is an example of how this kind of speech might work. Uh, and, of course, this is all complicated and difficult, and we could spend a whole cactus period on any one of these things, but I want to get to cooperation, identity action. So uh, Dobin starts, cooperation means non-opposition. It is not opposing oneself and not opposing others. or not cause positive non-difference, seeing identity action, seeing that we are not different from ourselves and we are not different from others. It is like a human Buddha being the same as a human. Because of assimilation to the human world, we know a Buddha must assimilate to other worlds. When one knows cooperation, self and others are one suchness. The music, song, and wine accompanies people, accompanies uh, spirits. People keep company with music, song, and wine, and music, song, and wine keep company with music, song, and wine. People keep company with people. Celestial spirits keep company with spirits. Uh, there is such a logic. It is the learning of cooperation. How and this is this goes back to the Malakirti, going into all the different realms in in Machale, the city he lived in, uh, hanging out in casinos, hanging out in with uh, banks and merchants, hanging and wherever he goes,
2: uh he's helping beings awaken. So,
3: um, this is a real question. Doing this Bodhisattva practice, doing this Zazen, this upright sitting, we settle deeper into what is, who we are, how we are connected to everything.
2: And naturally,
3: we want to be helpful to ourselves and others. We want, we support each other. That's also what Sangha is about community. That each of us here is supporting everybody else here just by being here, whether you're in the sendo or online. We're all deeply, intimately
2: connected. We can't avoid that. And how do we take care of it and embrace it? is the practice of identity action, of cooperation. So, um, what Dogen says about this more,
3: task of cooperation is a manner, is a standard, is a dignity, is an attitude. After regarding others as self, there must be a principle of assimilating oneself to others. Self and others are endless with time. So, there are many selves, many others. He was just talking about if we see that there is a Buddha for our world, we see him on the altar, we see him when we're sitting upright, in, in the practice of Buddhas and each other, If there's a Buddha in this world, there's a Buddha in many worlds. So I talked also earlier in the session about Buddha fields. When a Buddha awakens, they constellate a Buddha field. The space around them (coughs) awakens. Other beings around them awaken. Beings gather together to practice awakening. So, there are many Buddha fields, there are many areas we can talk talk about different solar systems, but in in our world too, there are many beings, many cultures. Um, How do we see this? So, Dogen goes on, an ancient philosopher, and I looked it up, this is Guanza, who was from the um, seventh century BCE. Anyway, he said, The ocean does not refuse water. Therefore, it has been able to become immense, so immense.
2: Mountains do not refuse earth and rocks.
3: That is why they can be so high. An awakened ruler or leader does not refuse people. Therefore, their community can become populous. Know that the oceans not refusing water is cooperation. The virtue of the water not refusing the ocean, too, is complete. Water gathers and becomes an ocean. Earth accumulates and becomes a mountain or a prairie, as near here. We implicitly know that because the ocean doesn't refuse the ocean, the ocean doesn't refuse the ocean it forms an ocean. Sorry, <laughs> complicated sentence. We implicitly know that because the ocean doesn't refuse the ocean it forms the ocean it forms an ocean and <laughs> the o- the ocean doesn't refuse the ocean so it forms an ocean. <laughs> what it says. And it creates immensity. Mountains do not refu- refuse the mountain. It forms a mountain and makes its height. So the principle of bodhisattvas is also not to abandon anyone, to include everyone. We don't practice just for ourselves. This is not a self-help practice. It's a self-help practice only in the sense that this this self includes the whole world and all the other worlds. A leader does, does not reject people Though the leader does not reject people, that does does mean that there are, that does mean that there are, mean there are no rewards and punishment. But though there are rewards and punishments, there is not rejecting people. So uh, sometimes some people need to be accountable for what they do. But we basically don't refuse any pe- any of everyone's included. So there must be people who seek the right way, even without reward. So we talk about non-gaining mind in a way a lot. It's not that there are no benefits of our practice, obviously, but it's not that we practice to get some reward, some gold star. Some, you know, who knows? Tolkien says, this is beyond the conception of the ignorant person. Because an awakened leader is wise, they don't reject people. People always form a nation that they have a mind to seek an awakened leader. Because there are a few who thoroughly know the reason an awakened leader is an awakened leader. They only rejoice in not being rejected
2: by an awakened leader. So, I think people
3: are actually actively being harmed and persecuted. And, and the people who do that also feel like they're being harmed and persecuted. So, we have this, this, um, this logic of non cooperation that's available and around. And so, how do we express and enact identity action? Because there is the logic of cooperation, Uh, cooperation is the practical undertaking of the bodhisattva. Once you face everyone with a mild countenance or a gentle expression. So how do we um, this is challenging because you know sometimes you know we we have positive, negative, and neutral responses to everything including to ourselves, including to so-called other people. But how do we find this basic generosity that includes everyone? It doesn't include everything, that, all the actions that everyone's is doing, but we don't, have to, we don't have to fall into hate, hate speech. We can use kind speech. So all of this is about uh, what we were talking about the last couple of days, liberative technique is how vermin translates it in the the sutra, but what is the skillful means to help suffering beings? And this is a big question. And in our sangha, we have lots of people who are working hard in various contexts to help people as teachers or psychologists or therapists. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever work you're doing, Bodhisattva practice, the practice of expressing zazen is about how can we be helpful, how can we be kind. And sometimes it's you know, it's not obvious. <laughs> so we have to practice patience and pay attention to everything and everyone. And sometimes we can find some skillful response. Well, we can, you know, make mistakes through trial and error and try and find a way to be helpful.
2: Anyway, these four
3: ways of bodhisattva cooperation, cooperative action, <clears throat> generosity, kind speech, beneficial action, factor actually helping, benefiting
2: people, beings. And This identity
3: action, this um, cooperation, this is easy to talk about. How do we do this in our own lives? How do we do this together? How do we express this posture, this dignity with each other and in the world? So that's the challenge we have (laughs) that this upright sitting gives us in our Ancestors, teachers, given us. So um, there's a lot to talk about. Um, we for the people in the practice commitment period, for the people in the session, we will have a discussion period um, this afternoon over tea. But we have many other people joining us this, for this Sunday morning talk. So anybody who has some some comments, and questions, can start us off.
4: Yes. So the difference between um, cooperating and non-cooperating. A lot of it has to do with languishing, how we use language. And for example, something that is a B in my mind is, you know, if you um, go into a store and somebody helps you with something, and they say, uh, and you say, "Thank you," they tend to say, "No problem," meaning that you haven't disturbed them, whatever. whatever. <laughs> so. I have a personal campaign, which I, <laughs> which I used at Trevor Joe's yesterday.
2: <laughs> but, you know, and, I, and I say, it's
4: more in or when it's reversed, I say, it's to create a different vibe and the. Uh, and it's a relationship that you know I helped somebody and uh, or they helped me, and it was a positive thing, it was a connection. The Other way around it means all your side,
3: you know. <laughs> so it's a so Thank that's you. my personal struggle. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, uh there's also just the conventional you're welcome, you know, that, that does it. Right? Right, right, right. But I I have to make a confession. I think there have been times within the last five or ten years when I've said no problem. Uh. <laughs> and I'll try and avoid that henceforth. So this is a really good
2: example of um
3: How to get into the nitty gritty of kind speech and, and identity action and cooperation. So, thank you very much. John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Other comments, responses, questions? Um, so, Ruben, you can tell us if people online have something. <laughs>
2: How do we actually be helpful in this troubled, crazy world? I know you all care about that and you wouldn't be here. So anyone, please feel free if you have any comment, response. Thanks. Yeah, um, going back to Bodhisattva Shishobo, the, uh, in the section on giving, uh, Dugitsa on something that, that has always captured my attention, and that is that acts of giving
3: have uh, infinite, inconceivable, unforeseeable good results that continue so that it's not a, a, an act of giving doesn't just have some sort of momentum. that good effects and good effects and gradually tapers off. It's as if they have they, the act of giving has a force that continues forever. That's not something that can be shown, of course. Scientifically, <clears throat> a few psychological experiments about how people
2: respond to Simple politeness and
3: acts of generosity. But it's not very helpful, but that vision of just the power of goodness to extend throughout
2: the universe is something I mean, that's I've always found very inspiring. Yeah. Giving, receiving, passing along the gift. Mm-hmm.
3: I guess there's some idea that if you receive something from someone, that you should hold on to it I'm sure remember it. I have trouble remembering somebody did it, but there's also passing something along. And there's a, a group of islands in the South Pacific. I forget where exactly. It's kind of an atoll, and it's a whole lot, It's a bit large group of islands where there's this. Formal ritual practice, you know, if it's once a year or certain times in the year, where the people from one island will give a gift to the people in the next island. And then after some period, they will pass that along to the next island and it goes, or maybe they'll pass along something else. I, I forget exactly how it works, but there's a circle of giving, literally. This is an example.
5: Yes, Zach. I was, I was just thinking with the gift and you know, receiving receiving a gift is a gift. I mean, it's yes. the idea that well, I'm such a modest and humble person, I refuse <laughs> I refuse the
4: compliments,
5: which is
2: really,
5: you know, you compliment me on something no, 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 no. I'm really telling you, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> but to just think, I mean, you know. Just to accept it and say thank you, just, yeah, yes, there's an okay. no art to receiving, yes,
3: uh yeah, the receiving is necessary this so we do this in our meal practice in the or meal we actually learn how to receive and how much to receive and, you know we bow to each other after the uh server and the receiver do this transaction of offering and receiving food. Yeah. So there's no giving without receiving. But the, uh, it, when I was uh, in a monastery in Japan, the training in Japanese monasteries for generosity is to receive. So there's this uh, practice called Takuhatsu, which means holding up the ball. And... Uh, um, the, uh, this, this, uh, the monastery I was in, this is the food that we ate at the time of the practice period that we received by going out and, and there's, there are different ways of doing it. There's going door to door and chanting and people in Asian cultures, Buddhist cultures, Want to give to the practice monks, the people who are practicing. So they they actually, you know, uh, enjoy. They they feel they get some benefit from giving. There's other ways of doing it. There are, people who stand like that on a bridge or in a railway station. You, know, you wear this uh, conical hat. So it's straw hat. So and there's there's a whole. Uh, different set of set of roads to do it in. But at any rate, uh, it's not, it's, it's not about, it's not personal. So they can't see, the, they can't see your face when they give. They're giving to someone who's practicing seriously. Although, when the little kids Go and look up, and if they see a gaijin, a questioner (laughs) doing this, they get all excited. Anyway, (laughs) at least that's the way it was when I was there. But, yeah, thank you Yes, receiving. Yes, Asian.
0: I think sometimes we have to really study someone for a while to understand um, what we can give to them or what they will receive. I I can think of someone I know who... um, the best way to give to them is to let them give something to me because that makes them feel, you know, good about themselves and powerful and magnanimous. And and for that particular person, when you try to give them something, it makes them feel like you thought they needed it, which is not a good feeling for them.
3: Right. It's, It's subtle and it's an art. Yes, yes, thank you. How to give, how to receive. Are there, is there anybody here who's received a gift that you really didn't want? <laughs> <laughs> okay. A number of people missed their hands. Yeah. So how do you receive graciously even one it's not the thing? And then just before we, um, you know, there's the idea also that – to try and give effectively. How do you make donations? Or you know, how do you give in a way that is gonna produce the most good? Uh, but there's also the idea just to give whatever to whomever it is helpful because it cause it gets passed along, as you
5: see. Yes, wait. This is something that Mike and I have struggled with, with uh, actually both of our mothers, um, giving us things that are given very um, you know, thoughtfully, very generously, but just things that we felt overwhelmed by the materiality of all of this stuff that we don't need and we can't get rid of. And then, you know, if you give it away, to throw it out and then it's plastic in a landfill, you know, so we felt very overwhelmed by this. And something that we found helpful is having a conversation with them and say what I would love most for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> is is to be given the gift of um, like freedom from material items, <laughs> like freedom from you know having to take care of X, Y, Z. or Z. If here's the way it makes me feel. So maybe that's something that you can uh, give me for Christmas and my birthday is is. Not having to worry about additional physical items in my life, and so some of, some effect. Of I don't know if that's gracious receiving on my part, but it's challenging. This is about this is a
3: practice. It's not easy. There's there's also giving as a kind of business transaction. You know, you give so that somebody else will. You know, I think you're good or give that to in, in Japan and, and around New Year's there's lots of gift giving. But they actually want, you know quantify the, the amount <laughs> how much was spent on this gift, and then they have to give back something of the same amount to the other, other person. Yes, should. I just have to add
0: to this. Last year for my mom's birthday, I gave her a gift certificate to her favorite restaurant. And unfortunately, she passed away before she got a chance to use it. Huh. And then I was out visiting my dad for my birthday, and he yeah. said, let's go out to <laughs> you know, this restaurant. So you, he's like, we've got this gift certificate. So, <laughs> so my mom actually got to get, you know, gave me mm-hmm.
3: a uh-huh. roaster,
0: dinner of her favorite restaurant.
3: Yeah, so the gift is around
1: Other comments. I had a comment uh, following up to that. You know, I I was thinking about there have been times when I was younger when my mother gave me gifts for Christmas or for my birthday. Typically, some that I was not interested in that I was felt fairly neutral about and. Subsequently, they were things that I did need, you know, like as she saw me develop over time, she realized my need for various things. Um, So at the time, I was not excited. Later, I appreciated it. Again, in graduate school, somebody gave me a reference once, a reference book that was totally boring, and I did Mm -hmm. not value it at the time. But later, subsequently... I ended up using it quite a bit and appreciated it. So so sometimes we don't realize in the moment something that might be of value. Uh, then, then the other thing I was going to say is I have enjoyed participating the amount I have in the Sashin. And um, I appreciate other people's willingness to participate in the Sashin because I couldn't have done it without everyone's participation. So I feel like that's a, a giving and receiving as well. And also a
3: model of cooperation and identity action. We're all part of this together. Mm.
2: Yeah. Is your hand up though? Or? Um, yeah. Sorry. Giving my head a room. Yeah, for all of us, <laughs> as a gift to us. Yeah. So, this is the
3: challenge that our practice gives us when we settle into ourselves in Sasan and
2: Sashin. Awareness is arise, and we see the situation around us, the next seat, the seat around us, and uh,
3: the next state, the next town, anywhere. So we need to take care of ourselves and to take care of each other,
2: and that's not separate. How do we take care of this difficult world? Any last comments or responses or reflections? Okay,
3: well, thank you all very much for giving this Dharma talk. Um, and uh, I hope I received it well, and um, we'll close
2: with the four bodhisattva vows. <clears throat>